welcome to the Acupuncture Outsider podcast. My name is Richard Hazel, and in the time it takes for you to commute to or from work, I hope to have shared something of interest about orthopedic acupuncture using motor points, trigger points, myofascial slings, neurofunctional acupuncture, segmental treatments, anything that crosses my mind that seems to be of interest. I hope you'll enjoy it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Acupuncture Outsider. This is Richard Hazel. Today I thought I would talk about some of the important doctors who are to be thanked for what we do now with acupuncture. Um, There was a time when people were not aware of using motor points with acupuncture. Um, It wasn't that long ago. And uh, people didn't know there was a difference between trigger points and motor points, even maybe 15 years ago. Um, If you talked to an acupuncturist 10 years ago, about motor points, they would have um, probably not known what you were talking about. Um, And now we arrive at a time where many, many acupuncturists, especially in North America and some in Europe are and in Australia are using motor points as part of their acupuncture treatment. So to whom do we owe the thanks? There are medical doctors from Canada who really started um, questioning whether they needed to always use the traditional Chinese acupuncture points for treatment and started to investigate using um, alternate locations. Um, so the I think the most important doctor for what we do with motor points is was um, Dr. Joseph Wong, W-O-N-G. He uh, earned the name of the father of Canadian acupuncture because of his work with what he called neuroanatomical acupuncture. Um, Dr. Wong had a background. He had trained as a medical doctor in China and moved to Canada where he uh, got board certified and treated pain, did uh, physical rehab, and he and was very focused on on treating pain conditions. Um, he, with his background in TCM acupuncture, which he liked, he liked acupuncture for what it could do, but he he really questioned with his knowledge of of Western medicine and neurology if he couldn't perhaps do better by changing the location of his needle. So he would put needles into the motor point of the muscle, which is the excitable region of the muscle where the nerve innervates. And there are many, many motor points all over the muscles. They they were first, uh, motor points were first discovered uh, by a uh, Dr. Duchenne of Bologna in in France in the late 1800s. He would put needles with electricity into muscles and, and show that the muscle could be made to fasciculate 
And that was really the beginning of modern neurology and our understanding of motor nerves. Well, here we are much later, and motor points have been well known for a long period of time, and they are used by electromyographers all the time for nerve conduction tests. So those motor points have been well mapped for a very long time. But Dr. Wong was really, I believe, the first to start using motor points as an acupuncture treatment. And he termed it therapeutic EMG because he knew he was using the motor point instead of the acupuncture point. Now, there are people who will say, oh, well, there's a big overlap of motor points and Chinese acupuncture points. And while this may be true, that's because of the prevalence of motor points. It is not necessarily, in my opinion, because the Chinese were looking for motor points. Um, in fact, the Chinese point location is driven by a completely different paradigm that would not care about your motor points. It's more based on um, yin and yang, and in many cases with TCM, it's a zong fu pattern that is an internal medicine pattern that has very little to do with the muscle itself. It, the location of the needle is based on the meridian, trying to affect the internal dynamics so that your body can heal itself. It, it has very little to do with choosing the motor point of the vastus lateralis uh, for any reason that would affect the hip or the knee. So let's get that out of the way. There may be an overlap, but the overlap is irrelevant if your diagnosis is based on yin and yang. So the, um, the motor point location Dr. Wong started using it for pain because he knew he could go near the nerve. So he would be thinking about, why is this person in pain? What is the pain condition? How can I help this condition? And he would look at it very structurally. He, he experimented with putting needles into tendons and, and um, the tendinomuscular junction uh, into the belly of the muscle, closer to the nerve, um, uh, all sorts of different approaches to see what gave him the best result. And he sometimes would use just one needle to turn off someone's pain because he knew that the anatomy and the neurology uh, of the area. So he would, he would be very much focused on perhaps the radial nerve for a, an anterior shoulder pain, something like that. So anyway, um, he, he called this therapeutic uh, EMG. Now that was back in the seventies and the eighties. And, um, Dr. C. Chan Gun, also Canadian, also uh, of a, from a different country. I think he was born in Malaysia. And then he came to Canada and was a pain doctor as well. And he has a book called The Gun um, Method of Treating Chronic Pain. Dr. Gun was very focused on the spinal segments and he would use motor points as well. So he would treat the peripheral area that was in pain, but, but would 
see the root of the problem as coming from uh, denervation or from um, uh, uh, spondylosis or pre-spondylosis at the spine. So he always wanted to come back to treating the segments to correct any kind of sensitization at the segments or to or to release pressure that could be affecting the nerves that are causing pain further out. So he was using motor points as well. And he they're both pretty much the same generation. I think they were both bor- born in the 30s or 40s. And they they pretty much rose to their prominence in, in Canada and pain medicine in the 1970s. Um, I know they were very much aware of Dr. Janet Travell's work as well. So they were, they were, and probably knew Carl Levitt as well. Carl Levitt seems to have been in the same uh, era. And in the 70s, Dr. Levitt uh, put out his paper called The Needle Effect. And he was definitely aware of Janet Travell and injecting trigger points to to basically shut off uh, an active trigger point that caused pain or pain referral patterns. Um, Dr. Levitt wanted to show that you didn't need the injectate, you just needed the needle. And he used acupuncture needles. He was a big fan of TCM acupuncture as well as more neuroanatomical acupuncture like what Dr. Wong was doing. Um, Very much a fan of that, especially for things like scars, myofascial restrictions. Um, always looking at it as as making the body function better. Now, the the biggest difference um, between all of these doctors' approaches and traditional acupuncture is that traditional acupuncture is trying to act on the inside to have an effect on something on the outside, like your knee pain or your back pain. And of course, TCM is working on internal dynamics for completely internal issues like digestion and sleep and stress, insomnia, uh, reproductive health, all sorts of things. So TCM is very all-encompassing as far as internal medicine and uh, does try to affect uh, external issues like, you know, muscular pain, joint pain, etc. I would say that that is its weakness. Um, because of how long it will take to have a lasting effect on something like that if you're trying to work internally only. Um, the doctors from Canada were very much focused on their, their pain doctors, so they wanted to give people fast results that didn't take 20 sessions, 30 sessions, 40 sessions. Um, they were focused on the actual muscles, the nerves, the segments, and so their approach is very much more external, more Uh, working directly on the muscles to restore function. And uh, Dr. Wong would look at not just treating the the muscle that was affected, but he would also consider systemic issues. Um, He liked to use very distal points for autonomic regulation that could affect blood flow to the area um, there are there are different things that the autonomic nervous system affects, and including pain. If you and I believe that's why TCM can be helpful for pain is is if you put it, put someone into a more parasympathetic state, then they have they have lower stress hormones. They don't have the cortisol. They don't have the adrenaline that puts them into sympathetic. They could go into parasympathetic where your body can heal. 
Uh, you can sleep better when you're in a paras more parasympathetic dominant state. You're going to have better digestion. You're going to have uh, better reproductive health. All of those things that stress affects. So TCM, I believe, is having a very strong effect on the autonomic nervous system. And that's how it attempts to help things that I would personally treat more from a an external approach of where's where what's the joint problem what are the muscles affecting that joint uh from the core out you know anything that has to do with stabilization or compensation patterns that affect the muscles of that joint i want to consider so um so there it's a completely different paradigm and that really comes from these doctors in canada dr wong and dr gunn primarily and then, of course, we have the trigger point um, knowledge from uh, Dr. Travell and Dr. Simons. Um, so, you know, it's been an evolution. But the, the, the courses that you might have now in what you might call orthopedic acupuncture or if someone calls it sports acupuncture or somebody calls it neuroanatomic acupuncture or neurofunctional acupuncture or contemporary acupuncture um, or neurofunctional dry needling, there are many, many names out there for kind of the same thing using motor points and, and very often trigger points to treat, to treat pain. Those, um, those all really, I think, rests on the shoulders of Dr. Joseph Wong and Dr. C. Chan Gunn, because they were really the ones who had the courage to do what they did, to break out of a paradigm. Um, the And of course, uh, there was judgment, of course, within their profession for using acupuncture in the first place. Because even though Nixon went to China and came back and there was this sort of renewed interest in Chinese acupuncture, it was not well respected by medical doctors. And I have to say, it's still not well respected. Um, I've only recently started accepting insurance for acupuncture. And if you could see the reimbursements that acupuncturists get, you would understand how very little respect there is for what we do in spite of the fact that very often we are the last resort and the, and the ones who actually figure out the problem and correct it. Um, and we get a check that really is uh, close to what I might make um, as a barista at Starbucks. Um, so there's still not a lot of respect for acupuncture in, in the world, but there is, there are, um, there, there is more research and there are more at more doctors who are open-minded about it and interested in learning more and not assuming that they already know that it's hocus pocus. Um, I think what has to happen is they have to see for themselves, experience for themselves. And then when they realize that they didn't just fall for a placebo effect because their shoulder range of motion increased by 20 degrees and they have no pain and the pain didn't come back and you can reproduce those results uh, for many, 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 many patients, they start to ask themselves, what is it that I didn't understand? And one of the biggest things that they don't understand is that there's this whole lineage of 
medical doctors in pain science who have completely changed the approach to acupuncture, meaning that the assessment and the diagnosis is coming out of a Western mind and not out of an Eastern tradition. So instead of, uh, for instance, looking at uh, shoulder pain as uh, chi stagnation in the liver, I mean, the large intestine and lung meridians or the sinew meridians of the lung or um, looking at it as... um, as grief, as unresolved grief that affects the lung meridian, we will do orthopedic assessment and we will determine that the anterior deltoid and the coracobrachialis have overuse injury and that has very likely come come about because of some of the scapular stabilizers that are not stabilizing, maybe the serratus anterior is weak and tight and maybe the latissimus dorsi is very very tight and that affects flexion of the shoulder so we work on the antagonist muscles that are causing overuse of the uh, deltoid and coracobrachialis we treat the coracobrachialis and the and the deltoid motor points with electric stimulation acupuncture and the person walks out with no pain and the pain doesn't come back and it's not a placebo it's science. And we owe that to people like Dr. Wong and Dr. Gunn. And of course, I would thank Dr. Vladimir Yanda because he his methodology of assessment is what I apply to get great results because your results are only as good as your assessment. If you you can use all the right tools and you can use motor points and electric stimulation at, the, at such an amount of time. But if your diagnosis is wrong and you didn't treat the right muscles, then it doesn't get better. Or maybe you treated the right muscles, but you didn't figure out why those muscles got injured. So the, per, the person is back in a few months because they went back to their sport of choice. And now the pain is back because you didn't figure out what was not stabilizing more more uh, proximally, and now they have their issue again. So assessment is key, and I always will thank uh, Dr. Yonda and Levitt for that because that's my assessment. That's how that's how I assess issues. Um, and my style of acupuncture really doesn't have a name because I don't I don't really like that people name what they teach with a specific name and a trademark and a copyright because it really it really makes it difficult for patients to find what they're looking for we 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 have we have these trademarked names that are really different versions of the same thing you know um so that makes it difficult we don't have a generic name for using motor points and trigger points for acupuncture yet. Um, there will be a day. I know we will find that mass, uh, that sort of critical mass where everybody knows what we're talking about and now we have a common terminology for it. Um, we're not there yet. But if you are an acupuncturist who is new to using motor points in treatments of pain, 
I wanted you to know these names because there are resources for you. You can look at uh, Dr. C. Chan Gan and intramuscular stimulation. Um, as an acupuncturist, you will not be allowed to study intramuscular st uh, stimulation in Canada. Um, I won't go into that, the politics of it, but um, it's a bit ironic, I would say, that the only people they're blocking from learning it are the people who use acupuncture needles every single day. Um, but they let doctors and physiotherapists and athletic trainers um, study uh, intramuscular stimulation, chiropractors as well, uh, but not acupuncturists. And, uh, but that, uh, my um, um, apparent bitterness about that does not keep me from appreciating what Dr. Gunn has given us um, because I still, um, I can still read his book on treating chronic pain. He has a book, uh, Treatment of Chronic Pain. Um, Dr. Wong, uh, of course, was, was more, um, what should I say, more uh, in support of traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture, as that was his background in China. Um, what, as, as a medical doctor, he knew both. So, um, so he didn't have anything really negative to say about acupuncture, whereas I think in the 70s, Dr. Gunn really did not want to be associated with acupuncture, so he called it intramuscular stimulation. He was still using acupuncture needles. He did develop a plunger, that allowed him to put uh, the needle in. I think in in traditional Japanese um, acupuncture, it would be called a shinkan. It's like a, a metal tube. Um, but he had this plunger system that he would use to be able to plunge the needle deeply into the paraspinal muscles, um, particularly, I think, the multifidus muscles. And it has to be done by someone trained um, because obviously when you're working around the spine, you want to make sure that if you're going to go deeply into that area, that you're not at an area where you could accidentally slip in between the vertebrae. And I believe Dr. Gunn would always ind indicate that you should be on either side of the spinous process for that reason. Um, I think after Dr. Gunn, we realized by using electric stimulation on the needles that we could do a, a very um, superficial insertion and still get great results. It will still relax the multifidus and you can deactivate a, an active, um, irritated, sensitized spinal segment. So I personally go very superficially on either side of the spinous process for sensitized segments when I'm trying to um, correct for that sensitization, but um, everybody's different. Um, and uh, Dr. Wong, what was I gonna say about Dr. Wong? But I guess I'll just say um, you can, yes, Dr. Wong, there, there are still books that you can get on Amazon. Dr. Wong passed in, in uh, 2017 but his, his books are still available on Amazon. They're not cheap, probably because they're no longer in publication. But I did Google recently and see that, that, his, that his, uh, his volume one for the musculoskeletal 
system for um, neuroanatomical acupuncture is still available on Amazon. So you can still find it. Um, so if you're, if you're interested in going to the source, I always think you should go to the source. Go to the doctors who, who really developed this stuff. Um, it's nice to, to start out by learning from an acupuncturist like me. You go to one of my courses. I tell you what I do, how I do it. You give, you, you give that a try. If you love it, you do more of what I like. If you don't like it, you go to someone else's class. You see what they're doing. You find something you like that will stick with you because if you like the style, you'll, you'll excel at it. You'll, you'll enjoy working harder to get it right. Um, if you don't like the person's style of assessment and treatment, then obviously you're not going to do well because nobody studies something they don't like. So I, I try to be your um, cruise director. <laughs> I'm here to, uh, to introduce you to all the guests. Um, I, want, I want to explain what's going on and, and the background, but then hopefully I point you in the direction of the doctors from whom I've learned so much because I had to kind of read all of those big thick books with all of the footnotes and read the footnotes to really understand what I understand today. Um, and I highly recommend doing that. And it's, uh, it's a, it's a better way to go than just to rely on what an acupuncturist has told you in a course, you go to a course and you're getting it, you're getting their version of what these original doctors were teaching. So you'll probably get a good percentage of it. And if you follow what they do, you'll get good results. But then where do you go? You know, you've got years ahead of you and you've got really complicated, tough cases coming your way soon. The better you get, the harder the cases are going to be because you will have a reputation for getting really great results and people and doctors, specialized doctors will send you their toughest cases. They don't send you the stuff that was easy for them. They send you the stuff that didn't get better doing what they normally do for, for the, the 80 or 90% who respond well to their treatment. And when it doesn't get better, they're going to say, maybe you should go to this guy or this woman uh, because uh, I have patients who did go to them who got excellent results. So give them a try. So then, you, then you're going to get the tough cases. So if you're relying entirely on me, <laughs> um, I may not have seen the same tough case that you're seeing there may not be a podcast or 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 a, a podia uh, online course or a seminar topic that I've covered, and it may not have been covered by any of the other people out there teaching orthopedic acupuncture with motor points. So now you're really going to have to dig and find, you know, like the great resource that I found from Dr. Andrea Trescott. You know, she did a lot of work. Um, to learn what she learned, and then she did a whole lot of work to put it into books. Um, and we get the benefit of all of her work 
and get to read what she did and why she did it and translate to to an acupuncture treatment. Um, and that's really what I recommend, you know, understand the concept so that you can apply acupuncture to it. I, I'm a big fan of Brookbush Institute as well. If you're not familiar, check out Brookbush Institute. Um, they, they have a YouTube channel with lots of free content, but if you are really interested in understanding, um, rehab and assessment from the way a, a good uh, physiotherapist would learn and treat, then I highly recommend you look at Brookbush Institute. I, I learned so much from Brent Brookbush, uh, his online courses, his lectures, his papers. His papers are well-cited. Everything has uh, footnotes for his references, which will help you when, let's say you're stumped on something and you read about it and then you see his footnotes and then you see what he referenced and then you look at his references. It's a, it's a gold mine. You have these people who put all this work into, the, into writing papers and footnoting it and then you get to read what their sources were and you can dig further. Um, it's really the best way to learn. It's it's great when you first start to learn from someone like me as an acupuncturist and who can kind of just cut to the chase and tell you very simply, like, this is this is what I do. This is how I do it. This is what I do. But but for the tough cases, you need to actually be able to go further. And your tough cases may not be my tough cases. And that's why I want you to to know my sources so that you can look into my sources and then they will be your sources and your great resource for finding more material because the Google is not gonna, gonna serve you well when it comes to the toughest cases. You know, you you really need to go to the doctors who made this their living and who have the experience, the knowledge, and took the time to share that information online and in books. Um, it's really the best way to get really good. Um, I realized that I've talked for almost 30 minutes, and that's a little long for my podcast. So anyway, um, I just wanted to share that information because I don't think that I've really shared that in a podcast. I've, I've spoken about all these people a little bit here and a little bit there, but I wanted to just do a whole episode just so you would understand that what we do heavily relies on the work of previous doctors from the 20th century, especially in the 1970s and 80s. Uh, they made a big, big change in the way we now treat pain. Well, those of us who know about it treat pain. We're not enough. There are not enough of us yet. We have not hit critical mass. There's still doctors who don't know what the heck we're doing. Um, and there's still lots of insurance companies who are paying us like we're basically doing nothing. They're basically paying us like we're just sort of holding hands and, and, you know, and patting people on the head and saying, don't worry, you'll feel better soon. So, um, Anyway, so that's uh, that's the episode for this week. 
And uh, I will talk to you very soon. Take care. Thank you.